Please be seated. So if you guys were listening to the gospel, you realize that there was uh, an argument going on between Jesus and the Jews. This is, this is an argument that's actually a lot longer than just this passage. And it, uh, it's been going on for a few days, the past few days in the gospel for each day. They've been reading a little portion of it. And it keeps getting more and more intense. So it seems like in today's reading, it's one of those conversations that like escalates way too fast. That all of a sudden they're getting really mad at each other. And, uh, and well, it's true. And there's a good reason for that. Jesus made the Jews really angry because of a few things that he said in today's, in today's gospel. Um, the first one is, well, you know, he's talking about Abraham. And they're like, who do you think you are? Are you greater than Abraham? Are you claiming that to be greater than the one who was the father of our whole religious community. You know, Abraham lived like thousands of years before Jesus. So it was a long time before, and Abraham was considered, you know, the greatest, the greatest of the patriarchs to the Jews. So I don't know if you guys have any Jewish friends, but if you go and start insulting their patriarchs, then it's pretty offensive, you know. And here Jesus is kind of practically claiming that he's better than their father, Abraham. And, uh, well, the fact is that Jesus was claiming that he was greater than Abraham. So maybe they had a good reason for being upset with him, right? And uh, so then they're like, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to say that you're better than him? So there, uh, there's another thing that Jesus did, which, which really, made them, really made them mad, which was basically claiming that he's eternal. So since he says that he knew Abraham, and before Abraham was, he was there. He's basically saying, you know, I'm you know, more than thousands of years old. And they're like, okay, now this guy's really nuts. He's really crazy. Because he's obviously just a man who's like 30 years old, and here he is claiming to be like forever. You know? Um, I'm reading Percy Jackson right now. Who here has read Percy Jackson? Yeah? Or seen the movies? Okay. Uh, so, you know, you run into people who are like, like thousands of years old, mysteriously, magically. It's kind of funny. It's kind of like that. They're like, who, who the heck do you think you are, right? So he's claiming to be eternal. That makes them mad too. And then the last thing that he does really just tops it off. And that's the point when they start picking up stones and they're like, okay, we're going to stone you to death. Um, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. What's so special about the phrase I am? Does anybody know from religion class? Uh, I don't know. Maybe people know, but they're not brave enough to raise their hands. What's, what's significant about the phrase I am is that that was the name that God gave to himself when Moses asked him for his name. Okay, back in the book of Exodus, Moses says, God, tell me your name. And God says, I am who am. So from then on, the Jewish people considered that to be a holy name. Only it wasn't even allowed to be spoken by most people. And here Jesus comes out and says it. Before Abraham was, I am. So, basically, it's pretty clear that he's claiming to be God. He's claiming to be God. No, like, this is impossible. It's impossible. You can't be God. So Jesus makes him really mad. I told you I was reading Percy Jackson. I think that it's, uh, that's a good way of kind of understanding religious people. You know, people who really believe that God is real. Take him seriously, you know? In the Percy Jackson books, every time that somebody insults Zeus or something, what happens? There's like this thunder off in the distance, you know? Because they're like, okay, yeah, Zeus is real, you know? We always thought he was just a myth. Well, people who really believe in God take him seriously. 
And the Jews in this story really take God seriously. They're like, you, Jesus, are obviously just a man, and you can't claim to be God. That's messed up, man. You're crazy. That's exactly what they thought. He was crazy and that he was also blasphemous and that he needed to be put to death. This is all leading up to what we're going to celebrate next week. Who knows what's happening next week? Next week is Holy Week. Yes, tell me. Easter, yes. What's, what happens like three days before Easter? Good Friday. We celebrate the death of Jesus. Why did Jesus die? Because of this. Yes, tell me. For our sins? Yes. Why did, they, why did they get mad at him to the point where they put him to death? Because of this. What we just read today. Because he was claiming to be God. He was claiming to be God. They said, that can't be. Uh, in the first reading, we read the story of Abraham, the call of Abraham. That's obviously tied into this, to what we just read, right? You need to understand who Abraham was in order to understand today's gospel. Abraham is just the beginning of the story. But Abraham is just a guy who, who one day, out of the blue, God spoke to him. God spoke to him and said, I am going to use you to, to make a new people and have a new religion, and you're going to be my chosen people. Now, you might think, well, okay, God doesn't speak to us. You know, It's not like in Percy Jackson where all of a sudden one day at the, at the end of a game of Capture the Flag, uh, you know, this God claims you as his son, and, and, and there are signs and miracles and you know, impossible things happening all the time. It doesn't happen to us every day. God doesn't speak to us every day. I think that he does, but I'm going to get to that later. Uh, Christianity, our faith, is based on the fact that we believe that God has spoken to us. God has spoken to us, and he's done it through a person, through Jesus Christ. If we didn't believe that Jesus Christ was God, and that he was God's messenger, the, one, the way that God spoke to us and showed himself to us, then none of this makes sense. None of this has any meaning. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be celebrating the Mass. We wouldn't be reading the Gospel. We do this because we believe that God really sent his son. Um, and I think this is a pretty cool idea, you know. And it's also the fact that Jesus was really God, like fully God, the one true God. And that means that he wasn't like a demigod, like in Percy Jackson. He wasn't uh, just a special man with, with special powers, like, uh, like in Marvel, you know, a superhero. And he wasn't one of many gods, like there are in many other religions, like in Greek mythology, that Jesus was the one true God. You know, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. Um, now, for a while, it might have seemed that way to other people around in Jesus' time. Like we see these guys. They probably thought, okay, he's a great speaker. He's a great teacher. They probably thought, okay, he can do some special miracles like healing people. Maybe he's just a really good healer. Maybe he has some kind of power about him. Um, but Jesus does more than, he claims to be much more than just that. He claims to be much more than just uh, a good teacher, a good speaker. So that's why we say that Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. Liar, lunatic, or Lord. Have you guys heard that expression before? Maybe your religion teachers have heard it and they can, and they can bring it up later in class. Um, liar, lunatic, or Lord. So basically, if he knew that he was not God and he claimed to be God, what does that make him? A liar. If he thought he was God but really he was not, what does that make him? A lunatic. And if he said that he was God and really he was, what does that make him? Lord. Makes him Lord. If he really was God, it makes him Lord. So now I know what you're probably thinking. You're probably thinking, okay, so anybody could walk around saying, I'm God, you know? And you would probably think he's a lunatic, like the Jews did in this, in this gospel. You would need proof. 
wouldn't you? You would need proof in order to believe that he's really telling the truth. So how did Jesus prove it? How did Jesus prove that he really was who he said he was? Yes? Amen. That's exactly where I was going with this. He also did lots of miracles, but the miracles probably wouldn't have been enough to convince people that he really was God. There's no better way to prove that he really was God than to actually die and like to be really dead, like they took a spear and stuck it into his heart to make sure that he was actually dead. Uh, And then put in the tomb and be there for three days to the point where he should have started rotting and then come back from the dead. There's no better way to prove it. And and if you're... I went through a period in my life where I was actually thinking, okay, is that, is that really true, though, or is that just a nice made-up story? You know? And uh, most of us might say, like, even if someone came and said, hey, I'm back from the dead, you might think, there's got to be, there's gotta be some other, other reason for this. You know, it can't possibly be a miracle, because we just don't believe in miracles. But that's exactly what the people of his, of his day went through. They went through a really hard time struggling to believe that this had really happened. You know the story of Doubting Thomas? His friends came up to him and said, hey, we saw Jesus. He's risen from the dead. He's really alive. He's, he's, you know, his body is not just a ghost. And Thomas says, no way. I'm not going to believe it. You know, most of us are like that. We, we kind of need to see in order to believe. And the, and the disciples, like, to make sure that he wasn't a ghost, they, like, they made him eat fish in front of them, you know, to show that he really had a body, that he really was, like, physically back to life. And, and even like, like 40 days after he had been appearing to them throughout this whole time at the Ascension, the Gospel says that some people still doubted. Because it's normal to doubt when you have something like so incredible in front of you. And yet, those who witnessed it, those who saw it happen, were willing to stake their lives on it. They were willing to testify, like in court, in front of people, publicly, like publicly give, give witness, you know, on oath. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny that in court today, we still rely on the testimony of eyewitnesses to prove whether something happened or not, don't we? Like, if you can bring in enough eyewitnesses to, to show that an event happened, well, then you'll convince the judge and the jury, and they'll declare, well, this, it seems that this actually happened based on the eyewitnesses. And that's the way it was with the resurrection. Jesus made sure that there were enough people who actually witnessed it, saw it with their own eyes, that they could go around to the whole world and tell people, Look, this really happened. We really saw it. It's really true. Jesus really did rise from the dead. And that really proves that what he said about himself was true. That he really was God. Now, uh, I, think that, I think that's a pretty com- compelling argument. But um, I just also still believe that Jesus does things in our days. That if we open our lives to him, then he begins to act. Maybe in little ways. Maybe they're not always like big miracles and stuff but in little signs that show us that he's present in our lives. And I want to share, you, share with you one of those stories. Last week, or during March break, I went on a mission trip to Montreal with a group of 15 teenagers and a, and a few other adults. We had, a, we had a blast. It was so much fun. We were like serving the homeless there on the streets and then uh, giving out hot chocolate and, and asking people if they want to come to church and inviting them back to church. So it was a great, a great mission. Um, just, just really, really fun. Anyway, on the way back... We were driving, and uh, we're getting low on gas, so I kind of calculated how far we could get to the next gas station. And then this huge storm came up, so we were going through this huge headwind. And uh, to make a long story short, we ran out of gas 
We were just like just getting off the off the ramp to the on route, and the car's just like doom, 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 and then stopped right there. You know? I was like, come on, pray people, pray that we make it, and we didn't make it. So we walked over and got some gas, and then came back. Anyway, that delayed us like half an hour, forty five minutes, and uh, and then when we, later on we stopped for lunch. And we were like forty five minutes late, and right at the place where we stopped for lunch, uh, as we were leaving from our lunch. I ran into my aunt and uncle, who like just by chance happened to be coming in at that moment, you know? And if we had been 45 minutes earlier, I wouldn't have run into them. And we started talking to them, and we had this conversation that ended up being really, really meaningful for a few of the, the young people who were with me, um, thanks to this conversation that we had with my aunt and uncle. And afterwards I was like, isn't that crazy that uh, God could use even the fact that we ran out of gas to allow for this encounter to happen so that it could touch the hearts of some people who are here. And to be really honest, like while we were on missions, those kinds of little things were happening all the time. I think that when you start to live with faith in God and you start to put your life in his hands, then he does start to take control. He does start to act and to show up in little moments of our lives. So I just invite you and challenge you to, to grow in your faith in God, in Jesus, in the resurrection, and to let him into your life so that he can start making a difference there as well.